What up, Balls of Magic? <gasps> hey, honey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm going to try not to like look over there. It's weird. I know. For if, if you're listening to us via, you know, Apple or Spotify, we we have ourselves in on video and we're going to upload it to our YouTube channel so you can watch us because why would anyone want to do that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm realizing I it's did. because you're cute. I, well, I brought <laughs> I did brush my teeth. You did? It's not, I have not washed my face. I have not brushed my hair. Well, I'm as bad as some of the children right now. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Balls of Magic. <laughs> Balls of Magic. Welcome to How to Be Queer podcast brought to you by Youth Scene, an amazing organization, local organization in Denver, Colorado, powering QT, BIPOC, LGBTQ youth and their families. Um, Go support them. Providing mental wellness resources, uh, camp, um, all, all sorts, the things, all mental sorts of things. Yeah. They just, they're an amazing, amazing crew over there and they bring this podcast. They do. They support us in it. So if you've been enjoying this podcast, you need to go over to their site. You need to find the donate button. You need to click it and say, yes, this is what I can afford yes, I'm to give to today. All my money to right now. <laughs> so um, I'm Kim. If this is the first time you're listening, pronouns are she, her. Hey, I'm Hi. I'm Alex. You're Alex. My pronouns are they, them. I'm non-binary. Non-binary. Tr- and you also identify as transgender. I'm also transgender. And just for a little review for people, because they're like, how can you be non-binary, they, them, and I call you my wife. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Get all the things, but you identify as transgender because you transcended. Yes. I transitioned away from the gender I was assigned at birth. See, I said, I said you transcend like, but, but you transitioned away from what was assigned at birth. Yeah. I I don't identify within the body. I was, I was assigned at birth and therefore for me, I am transgender. So before we get into all the things, one of the, we were just, we were driving in the car for a while today. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that um, I've been thinking about with, with uh, like people that are on this journey of understanding gender, I'm really fascinated with younger generations. Mm -hmm. And if some are feeling Mm non-binary really because they're rejecting toxic masculinity, or I guess you can have toxic femininity, but because we're always thinking of things in terms of power dynamics, right? toxic masculinity is upholding the patriarchal standards. And that you could have a lot of people that are like, well, listen, I might identify in my body, but I don't necessarily want to identify with that gender because of the way that it's been, um, the, the norms that have been put mm-hmm. or and are followed through by that gender. Well, it aligns with what Alok talks about that, that but he's, they said, wow, they said, break the binary because the, yeah. the binary is part of the, part of the problem. Yeah. I, I guess we'll probably do like a future episode on it. It's not necessarily what we're going to talk about today, but just Correct. as we're um, always, because we're, we're, I've learned we are always gaining new listeners mm-hmm. and maybe you don't want to go back to the beginning and listen to us babble along for hours. But if so, if you're just, if you're just meeting us for the first time, yes, we are we are married and we use different words that are affirming to who we are. Mm-hmm. And one of your words is transgender. That is yes. affirming to you. Yes. And you are a they, them wife and a they, them mom. I am. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and yeah, we'll come back to that, that, that on another podcast about um, gender and systems and how someone would may or may not view themselves within the binary system and how it affects or aligns with their gender. It's a really fascinating subject. Yeah. yeah. So just as a, let's do like a little like spoiler of some of the things that we know we have coming up, which is um, we have some guests that are going to be coming in and joining us. Um, Some, we're going to talk a little bit about pansexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, I met another person who is polyamorous. Mm -hmm. So I'm super fascinated to talk to them and learn more about what polyamory and how in practice that looks. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you said that who's the person that you've been talking to, a mental health professional that yes. we're hoping to have come in. We're going to have a mental health professional come on, talk about um, LGBTQ and um, racial identities um, and d- uh, domestic abuse and yeah. how all of that kind of can affect each other. So, and healing, super, of course. Yeah, I'm super excited for all this stuff, but for today, people are just stuck with us. Yes, <laughs> just, just, just us. us. So I wanted to um, note that the, our last podcast was brought to you by the letter F. F. And it was pointed out to me that I may have dropped an F-bomb something like 80 sometimes in a 59-minute segment. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> So let's your counting language. Can we just identify that's the first problem? And also I am an adult and sometimes using certain type of language just makes me feel like this is just something I need to say. And if, and if I, I, I want to be really, 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 really clear about this. I identify as a woman and I am a deeply empathetic feeling person that has been fighting for women since I think the day I came out of my mother's womb. Mm -hmm. I am a proud feminist. And this news of Roe v. Wade wrecked me. Yeah. It just gutted me. And there's personal reasons why. And then there's obviously the the reasons why, which I spoke about in the the F-bomb word or the F-bomb episode. And so I'm going to share just like personally a little bit, just to give some insight. And I don't think I talked about this on the last podcast, but I'm going to, I'll talk about it really briefly here today. So if you want to count how many F words I say, I want you to ask yourself, which is more painful hearing me say the F word or hearing the story I'm about to tell you. So I am not someone that has ever had to face having an abortion. It just, it wasn't something it, it absolutely could have been but it just never did. However, I am a person that had to have an operation called a DNC, mm-hmm. which is essentially the medical terminology like that people use for abortion. And I had, um, after I had my son, James, I got pregnant again and um, so excited, carried this child for, um, I believe it was 17 weeks and my body just, it didn't, it didn't work. There was a chromosomal abnormality in the baby and I had a miscarriage. And like many, many, many women, when you have a miscarriage, sometimes your body does not release the child or the baby or the fetus or however you want to determine it. Mm -hmm. And my body did not. Mm -hmm. And I had to have, um, I had to have a surgery, which was essentially an abortion. Um, They knock you out. 
the next thing you know, it was, it was, I think, Alex, the most painful moment of my life. And the person that was with me um, when I had to go through that procedure said that I woke up from the anesthesia and they said I was screaming. What have you done with my baby? What have you done with my baby? Like I was out of my fucking head. And um, that is under these laws in some of these states. If you are in that situation I was in, you would not be able to get that operation. You wouldn't be able to get an abortion or DNC or whatever they want to call it. And so the option for me is that I would have just died Mm -hmm. because my body was not going to release that baby. They rushed me in. Um, it was, it it was just, it was, it was chaotic what happened. Um, and why I think I just, and and, and every, every person I know, regardless of how you identify biologically, like there's so many people that are like having these slow realizations that when we talk about like having laws that protect a woman's right to receive healthcare for her body. This is one of the things that we're talking about. Okay. Right. Is that I needed to have this operation to save my life. Right. So if I was living now and this was happening to me in one of these States and I wasn't able to have that operation, my son was three years old at the time. So he would be growing up without his mother. And I was one of the very lucky women that sometimes women that suffer multiple, multiple, multiple miscarriages, and especially after having one of those operations, like you, you really don't, and, it, and believe me, leaving a, losing a child in the second trimester is traumatic. Losing a child at any time is traumatic, but it's very rare that it happens in a second trimester. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have my daughter. Mm-hmm. So for all these fuckers out there that think, oh, my delicate ears and I can't hear the <laughs> F word and hear a real person's anger at recognizing what my life could be if I was one of these women living in another state, like it is insane to me. Like if there is ever a time to drop the goddamn fucking F-bomb, it's now. It's now. It's now. And if your delicate ass can't take that, you got to, you, I don't know where you are in this, that you're not recognizing this is life and death for some women. Yes. So how about a giant fuck you to that? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And also thank you very much for sharing that story. That was very vulnerable. It's wrenching. It's gut wrenching. It's vulnerable. And that took a lot of guts to share. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm still pissed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and also I'll drop a little data on you. Okay? Yes, please Ready? do. So um there's a little sir, there's some research that shows that people who cuss often <laughs> are smarter, are, are have a high level of intelligence because they know how to fucking express themselves. <laughs> And that's called mental health. I think you and I are in the category of, I know how to express myself. Yeah. Yeah. I I, want to just say too, that, you know, as we're talking about this legislation, which I'm very, very, very angry. I am also angry at legislation, like legislators in other states, mm-hmm. Colorado being one of them, mm-hmm. that's walking around saying, oh, don't worry, we're protecting you right here. Like everything's fine. Everything is not fine. And just a little bit of a history review, because I know a lot has happened over the last few years, and it can honestly make you forget that some of this stuff went down. But one of the things that happened under the Trump administration is they banned 
any place that performed abortions from receiving federal, federal funds. funds. Okay. So that weakened, even in states where it's, it is still legal to get an abortion, it weakened your their ability to be able to provide services. So if you live in Colorado right now and you are in need of getting an abortion, yes, there are places that you're going to be able to do this, but take a guess what's happening to those places. They're completely overrun. Mm-hmm. They're not able to keep up with what the demand is going to be. So yeah, as I, much as I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, not that I, just that I, it's, um, I, I, I'm grateful, like you were saying, for where we live. But is is Paul is talking about? <laughs> I, anyway, about about that part. Like you know, it, it's great that we live in Colorado. We have we still have some 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 rights, but um, there's yeah, there's a lot of de- details that are not. Well, there's not, and, it, and this is where I guess it becomes like it, that he's politicizing something. He's like, and I get it. Like, like look at us, we're so great, but we have a so lot great. of we still have a lot of work to do. And we need to build a lot of infrastructure if we're going to be taking, and we should be taking in, it's the whole thing we were talking about where it's like, if you, if you need to come here, you call us, we will take Mm -hmm. care of you. Um, No questions, obviously no questions asked. Um, But I, I think people are underestimating where they keep like politicizing this and being like, oh, well, in certain States, you can still do this. Like, it's not that simple. Right. So I, I'm very angry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I also want to, um, I was telling you, like, how did you feel, Alex, when we were celebrating the Fourth of July? How'd that feel for you this year? Um, how'd it feel for me? I was like, happy Fourth. It, it, like, you want me to celebrate a country that is trying to erase everyone who's not cisgender, male, and white? Yeah, I like, <laughs> like, it, it's so. I mean, if you really look at it, like. It's just, um, I mean, we did the thing. We we watched the fireworks, and then and then I'm like, wait a minute, fireworks really are are based off of war and bombs being gone off, and we're glorifying this. Like yeah. this is kind of gross. It is. At the same time, though, we have all of our childhood nostalgic memories attached to like the fireworks and the the sparklers, and I'm like, no, 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 that 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 firework that w- went off is actually a bomb that just killed a bunch of people. So. You know. Yeah, it's it it, it I, you you were telling me like we we were talking about that when we were watching the fireworks revenue. You're like, isn't that based on war? And I was like, yeah. It is. I mean, think about our our national anthem. Yeah. Oh, say can you? I should know this. Oh, say can you see by the by the dawn's early light? Like, but the the but but the part I'm thinking about and the rocket's red glare. Yeah, and the and the, the bombs, bombs bursting in air. air. So. Well, Alex, we are also a country that said it was absolutely fine to capitalize on the backs of enslaved people. And then for hundreds of years go and say, oh, it wasn't about that. It was about state rights. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess when you're willing to do that, you're willing to do a lot of shit. <laughs> but here's what Katie sent to me about oh, 4th yeah. of July. And I'm like, this sums it up perfectly. Because even though I'm very angry, I'm very angry. You're very angry. Very angry. I am, I am able to identify and name my feelings. Uh, I still recognize that I have a lot of privilege living here. Mm-hmm. So Katie, so I, so I, I want to, and I always love when people are like, well, you can go live somewhere else. And I'm like, no, you can, <laughs> I have just as much right to be here and be working to change a system. Mm-hmm. So why don't you leave? Why don't mm-hmm. you start looking into Canada or whatever? Or I'm sorry, maybe someplace like North Korea would feel more comfortable <laughs> for you based off of what your feelings are. <laughs> This is how I, this Katie sent this to me. Katie, if you're listening, thank you. Because I 
told people about this every time she listens to us. And Katie's been my best, my best friend since high school and college. We were in New York together all around amazing person, but she sent me this picture and it said for the 4th of July today feels like you're in a fight with your best friend, but it's her birthday. So you have to be nice. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, pretty much sums it up. <laughs> pretty much. So I wore all black from uh-huh. head to toe. And yeah. I was like, and this is where I'm just going to be today. Mm-hmm. My one person protest. And I'm still going to use the fucking F word to describe it as mm-hmm. much as I effing want. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm so fired up. I don't know why you're married to me. You got to be exhausted. (laughs) Nope. Okay. But one more thing on this. I did read a little bit about this um, because you you don't have to listen to me, but during, during the revolutionary war, Mm -hmm. women, right? So this is like why we're not feeling so 4th of July. Okay. Okay. So during the revolutionary war, women kept, Farms, homesteads, businesses, cities, and newspapers going, all while raising families. Generations of enslaved women and their children built the foundation of our wealth and power. For every war that earned men, medals, and monuments, women kept the rest of the nation running, earning little besides grudging acceptance. All this with no mention of the word women in the Constitution from the nation's founding to the terminal today. They have been leading the whole time. So- Ladies, and I hate that we're saying ladies because I'm going to say this is the way it was written. Um, Take a knee, take a seat. We deserve a rest. We deserve equal rights and we deserve the nation's respect. Mm -hmm. And that's, that summed up a lot about how I felt. Yeah. Take a rest now because we got, we got a fight coming. We do. We do. And I'm, it's, it's so hard. I think I'm just, just having a hard, I'm trying to conceptualize like, we deserve our nation's respect, but it was never built on. It was never built on respect to begin with. Re- built on respect at all. Yeah. No, like there's a really famous picture going around right now that shows, um, you know, the, 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 um, I'm trying to remember where it's even on display now. It might be on display at Independence Hall in Philadelphia, where it's the depiction of the signing of the um, Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And somebody's taken that oil painting and then with red dots, put a red dot over the faces of the men who at that time had enslaved people while they were writing this. <laughs> and it's, um, I think everyone, but two is what I saw. Wow. So, you know, obviously, well, I want to say, obviously, like we're, we don't, I guess it depends. Like, how do you, de- how do you define an enslaved person now? I mean, obviously not the same way that we did then. And we've mm-hmm. made massive changes since then, but it's still, I mean, people can see the sign behind my head. The system isn't broken. It was built this way. Yeah. I mean, there are people still out there and the system still make us believe that people own people. So not only that, like I, I, somebody else, like was, we were having this conversation around, do you realize that like a woman who I think is 48 years old uh-huh. is the, is that is the first woman that was able to have a credit card and her name, oh, it happened in the fucking seventies. Like it's just, and so I know I'm so, I'm so, I'm just so angry. Mm-hmm. I'm angry about a lot of things, but this just, I want to also, um, can I talk about this? Yes. Really I was quick? just going to say, let's, let's yeah. go into this because it connects to what it does connect. And so I want to, how um, women also play into this, how women, absolutely. How they play into it. So there's a, um, 
a, a human named Brittany Cooper, um, who writes for, uh, it's a part of New York uh, magazine and it's the cut, um, is the, is the subtitle underneath it and lack of a better word. So she's a contributor. She's an activist, a cultural critic. Um, she's an associate professor of women, women's gender and African studies at Rutgers university. She co-founded the crunk feminist collective and is the author of the New York times bestseller eloquent rage, a black feminist discovers her superpower. So she wrote, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long, but I'm giving you all this information so that you can go and read it mm -hmm. listeners. If you'd be interested, um, life after row. And she, this was published on June 24th. And the title of the article is God help my friendships with white evangelicals after Dobbs. And so she, she really frames out that if you are a white in particular, a white evangelical woman right now, and you're giving yourself a nice pat on the back for saving the unborn. Um, their view, she writes a lot about, but when your view of the world is centered around truth, the truth, the truth that heterosexual marriages between Christian folks can solve all the world's problem. None of these things seem like a horror to you. Yeah. Right. And the horror that she's talking about is the situation that you could find yourself in that you might need reproductive health care, right? Like if you're in the situation, I mean, not to mention like, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why um, life and death situations for women, but this poor 10 year old, right. That we've been talking that that's been in the news lately. Like she's basically saying like, if, if you are in a white heterosexual, wealthy Christian world, you can't even fathom the horrors that some people find themselves in. And in particular, women who are already um, in situations that are the most vulnerable. She's like, you can't even picture those horrors, but you're thinking the horror is the, is the loss of an unborn. And so you're basically doing God's way and patting yourself on the back and not recognizing the trauma and the horrors that happen to other women. Mm -hmm. And you're patting yourself on the back. Yeah. So if you're telling me you're pro-life, that is not pro-life. It is not pro-life to make a 10-year-old child carry her rapist baby. Like in what world? And it's almost like these, these people can't, in their brains, they think that they're these saviors. I'm like, except for when it's this poor 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so she, I mean, you got to go and read Brittany Cooper's piece because she says it, you know, basically white women, you are thinking that you are saving the unborn and you are giving yourselves a giant pat on the back without realizing the horrors that many women face. And so I'm going to say one more thing about this and then I'm going to shut the, shut the fuck up. Um, your discomfort is not equal to the horrors that people face. And so your discomfort at someone having to face the incredibly difficult decision to have an abortion, your discomfort with that is not equal to the horror that some people are experiencing. Mm -hmm. So oh, I had to take a breath because I'm still just so angry. Okay. Were you going to read that part about a or no, is that, that's not really connected. No, but can the part about a and so we've talked about them a lot on here. Right. And in general, right. One of the things that I've taken from Alok is 
And this, this is in anything from when you are a person that's like, I am, I am fighting for equality. And a lot of times, especially if you're on the side of power and privilege with equality, you are going to feel massive amounts of discomfort because you're being asked to see the world in a different way. You're being asked to center other people's experience over your own, Mm -hmm. which can make you feel really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And their words are your feelings of discomfort are not equal to my feelings, which is that I'm going to be murdered. Yeah. These two things are not the same and we need to stop treating them as such. Yeah. I think a lot of the, a lot of the, the problem too, is taking even a step uh, I don't know if it's like further back or just seeing the larger picture that that a lot of these people making this stuff, they have a complete lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. And so how can you, you know, this makes perfect sense to us. Like, how can you compare the, you know, your discomfort when, with, with this when a people are dying, but like the grossness of that, the people who are like, saying this is all okay, they're lacking complete empathy, which is entirely mm-hmm. other huge, enormous problem. And a lot of these, and I want to say, I'm not, not all, of course, um, white men and women, cisgender people in power, you know, like the power just crushes their ability to have any empathy. Yeah, I mean, I think I want you to t- to to remind everybody of this, but we were talking about this um, yesterday because someone did a little bit of a story about you. Mm-hmm. And can you remind everybody, like, why is it that you did not want to transition when you were younger? Um, I mean, the core the coreness of it was I'd gotten the message of if you're trans, you're going to die. Right. So I stuffed that shit down for decades. And, um, yeah, it was on the celebrate trans Instagram with Sal Scoggs. And the point being like, if you, if you are a person of any type of identity, right. That has been oppressed and marginalized and you're living in this world, which women like wake up, like mm-hmm. <laughs> we're in this, mm-hmm. you don't know the reasons throughout your life that you might need to access an abortion, Um, you know, I think of you and how many times people have said, I'm so uncomfortable. I just don't know how to use they, them pronouns. And I'm afraid of getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. The point is their discomfort is not the same as your fear of being oppressed and murdered. These two feelings are not the fucking same. Mm -hmm. And so if you are allies, I'm talking to you right now. If you are sitting back and you're like, I am so afraid to get in the game because I don't want to get it wrong. That feeling of discomfort is not equal to the oppression and the feelings that come with oppression. Yeah. Not equal. Yeah. I, I've been. And, yeah. We have to stop treating them as such. Yeah. I've, and I think I've, um, we talked about this in the car on the way home today about, about, you know, where the focus should be. And I think I've spent a lot of time trying to explain and convince straight allies, like, what to do and what to learn. And, and, and yes, there's, there's a lot of value in that, but, but really the greater need is, um, you know, d- directing the energy on the queer babies coming up and um, stepping in me, not to make it like about me, but like, you know, all of us, if we're queer and we're older and we're thriving, all of us together, you know, 
being visible, not, not shutting up, not being quiet about our experience to be like, Hey, even though the younger generation, they are learning things that of course our generation did not, which is very powerful for them, but also they're still younger. So there's got, they're, they're still in fear of like, what's going to happen to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, just, just redirecting all of that energy and, and, and voice to supporting them and uplifting them because, because there comes a point where you can't waste any more of your voice or time or energy on the straight allies who completely don't listen. Yeah. And I've, I've experienced it at, I experience it often, even, even at, you know, at one of my jobs where it's, I was on like an inclusion council Mm -hmm. and, um, and I kept talking about like, Hey, everyone needs to understand these kinds of things. And I get, and it's good to be angry. Like, you know, as one of our poster somewhere says, you know, being vocal of, you have to have an equal amount of anger and love. Um, and then just getting to the point where like, you know what, I'm, I'm done trying to explain to you. And and now I'm harming myself and I'm just going to quietly and kindly exit from this space because I have better things to do with my time right now. Yeah. I mean, I think in particular with the, the job that you're talking about, that you were on the inclusion council, it felt like there was a lot of convincing you had to do of people just to make spaces feel somewhat safer. Oh yeah. And it was in the, in the, in the big, and it was like, we're not ready for that right now. We have to do these things first. And I, and that's coming, but that's over here. And, um, it was just very, yeah, I guess didn't, you know, yeah. and I always feel this way <laughs> with, with Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, where people will be like, oh, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. I love their chicken sandwiches. I'm like, first of all, do you think Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches are that good? I mean, they taste like hate. So <laughs> with, with some pickles, with some pickles, but I, I, I this somebody sent this to me and I'm like, I hope people can understand this, but so if you, if there was a restaurant that was taking the money they make and giving it to organizations trying to dissolve your straight marriage and take your kids away from you, you wouldn't give a shit if they had really good lemonade or a chicken sandwich. You wouldn't eat there. But yet, <laughs> so I know I, I, it's not, and, it, and obviously we, we are very fortunate to be in a lot of spaces where we have amazing and wonderful allies of all sorts of different backgrounds around us that yes. are not queer. Right. Um, you don't like when we say this stuff, we're not talking to all straight white people. Totally. Like I am a queer white person. Yeah. I think the point is that you're, and we learned this the hard way the other night that we were asked to um, be in a situation because a child was needing, um, I think some help with a, a parent. Yeah. Their dad. And um dad's not ready to, to decenter himself is yeah. how I would say it. Dad he, is still actively causing a lot of harm. Dad is still actively causing a lot of harm. And you and I were in that situation. I'm like, and at one point I looked at you and I'm like, we got to go. Yep. This person is um, really displaying a lot of anti um, and not, not very subtly and mm-hmm. um, covertly, very covertly. And I was like, Alex, I think it's time to go. Yep. So I think that's one of the hard things. And we've talked about this a lot with this podcast is that, you know, sometimes I think we try to be the podcast that we needed when we were young. Uh-huh. Right. So, and like you were saying, like for the younger generation that's coming up, like they, 
especially now with, with, you know, 250 some pieces of anti LGBTQ legislation Mm -hmm. coming up, it feels like we've taken massive steps backwards. Mm -hmm. And so they need that, that spark of like, they're thriving people, Uh which you and I are definitely thriving. I love that word because I am thriving. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Um, but you need that example, mm-hmm. right? And so on one hand, we started this podcast because we're like, you know, it it is hard. It is, it, I'm not going to say it's not, you know, it's, it's definitely not easy to be a queer person in this, mm-hmm. um, in this climate right now. Yeah. And also I'm so happy I'm a queer person. I'm so happy in my life. I'm so happy what I have, but I go back and forth between there's times where and especially with my job, yeah, I do sign up to be like, hey, people that also want to learn about allyship, like I'm pretty much a safe person that you can ask all the questions to and we'll work through it. But there's that flip where you're like, I can't though provide insight if you're going to still actively be causing harm. Like it's a give and take here. Mm-hmm. But really, I would think the main thing of what we're trying to do is to, is to share a little bit of like, there's so much joy in just letting yourself be queer. Yeah. I mean, how long did we spend or did I, I mean, thinking there was something wrong with us and now it's like, well, I actually really hate what's happening in the world right now, but I'm really glad I'm me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think with, with the, with the, the uh, lovely queer baby we were, we were supporting, um, you know, a lot of times we think of homophobia and transphobia as this like really blatant in your face, like, what they be called like macro aggressions mm. like you're you know like slurs and you're you're the f word you're you know whatever and it's so often and this is this is the hard part um that i want people to really know is it's so often especially the with the relationship between a parent and a child um those it 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 is abuse mm-hmm. like like people don't like that word for a reason but i am not afraid to say that word because what happens can happen. And what was happening was it was this covert Mm -hmm. abuse towards this child and what the child ended up doing. It was like for years was just like, please, dad, please, dad, please, dad, please understand me. Please see me. Please hear me. And this child is now 20 years old. They're not even a child. Yeah. And so now it's like normalizing, you know, just because they're your family, just because they're your dad, just because they're your mom or a parent or a sibling, like you don't have to stay there. You now are faced with the choice. Your parent has put you in the position of you choose abuse or you choose yourself. Mm -hmm. And I will always tell that, that queer baby, you, honey, you choose yourself. Everything else will totally be okay. And it it's painful. It's brutal. It hurts like hell, but you will always be okay without the abuse coming from directly from a family member. Yeah. And, and I think part of too, thank you for saying you said that really well. And I, I, part of what I want to be really clear about, because I would definitely say I had a very similar experience yeah. to this, to this 20 year old, um, where I felt for years, I was being asked to explain my queerness to people. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, it's, 
I didn't end necessarily those relationships with those people, but I refuse to put myself in a situation where I'm having to explain it. Mm -hmm. And so when we're naming this for this child, like we're not saying like, leave your dad and never speak to him again. What we're saying is honor yourself and that you don't owe anybody an explanation. Yeah. Even your own family. Yeah. And, and, And if you're a, if you're, if you're a mom or a dad, um, and you want to support, um, you know, queer kids or like, don't focus on the parent of, you know, focus, keep your, keep your focus on supporting that, that child. That, that was kind of vague, but, um, if, if you're an ally, if you're, if you're a caregiver, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's just always centering the person centering. that's impacted. Yeah. That's what I was trying right? to say. And so a parent that is saying, I need data to understand you. Yeah. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't need a diagnosis. And that's the problem with, with, um, learn, learn this from, from Dr. J, like, you know, that so much of psychology and mental wellness and mental health is, is, is around prescription and diagnosis mm-hmm. and you can't diagnose identity. No. <laughs> you can't, I died. You can't. So like, you just, you have to have the empathy in the heart when someone says to you, this is who I am. And you just say, okay, how do I love and support you? Yeah. I, I think that's um, such a key thing for parents. Um, and I know we have a lot of parents that write us yeah. and, and, um, and this would be, this is what's appropriate, right? Is that if you're a parent and you are um, listening to you, your child, tell them, tell you, Hey, this is, this is what's going on with me. This is what I think I am. You should listen to a podcast like this, or there's tons of other resources Mm -hmm. because you're figuring it out. Then parent, not with your child, you're going and doing the work that you need to do to understand. And listen, you might never know what it feels like for your child. You might never understand, Mm -hmm. but the point is your child knows who they are better than you ever will. Yeah. And so if you are projecting onto them your entitlement to tell your kid who they are, that is wrong. It's yeah. I mean, that's when when our daughter came out, she was she was five. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did was put myself back in therapy because I'm like, this is not her job to she told me who she is. Now I have to figure, I have to figure out myself and how to be the parent and educate myself. Absolutely. And I think that there's huge value in using systems that are there to support your child. Mm -hmm. And as we know from, from different, the way that different systems work, you do need to have certain support and diagnosis. It's of course, like go and get anything your child needs, but that still doesn't give you the right to say, I'm not going to believe my child until I get a diagnosis that makes sense to me. Like parents, you will push your child further and further and further away from you. Yeah. And that's unfortunately with this, um, with this child, I would keep saying that they're a child, they're 20, they're a young adult, they're a young adult. And so they have been living with this oppression from one parent for a really long time, begging, 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 please see me, please see me. And the parent's response is, I want data. I want data to prove to me mm-hmm. who you are. It's I know, Alex, you're making it, I get it. It's just I want to say to like, I want to say to that dad, like, well, can you prove to me that you're straight? Right? Why how are you a man? Prove it. Prove 
prove to me your manliness. What makes you a man? Obviously, you think more and you, your entitlement and arrogance that you don't have to explain yourself, but you want this person to explain themselves. Like that's fucking disgusting. It is. That's entitlement and privilege and mm -hmm. centering of one experience, right? That, hey, I get to, I get to determine the norms. And if you aren't within those norms, I get to question the validity of what they are. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was sharing, um, you know, I'm like, shit, fuck. If you want fucking data, here's, here's some data for you. Having an, having an affirming parent can reduce a child's risk of suicide up to 50%. There's some fucking data, dad. And so, <laughs> right here's, there's your fucking data. So then if you don't, if you aren't, and if you are critically able to think about this, you not supporting them, you are contributing to the erasure of their, of your own child. Like, seriously, it's really hard to get your mind around. Yeah. At the same time, I had another parent reach out to me. And again, like we're not mental. And I usually am like, Hey, I can only speak to you. This is like as an individual. And right. then here's all the things that you need to go and do. Right. Um, but I had a parent, I think I even forgot to tell you this. Um, she reached out to me we work together and she reached out to me. She's like, this is like beyond like a normal work thing. She's like, I just need like life two cents. And, um, she was saying she has, um, a child that is, uh, definitely like some questionings like around, Hey, this is like where I'm feeling and gender. And, um, this mom is like, I need to, what do I, where can I go to educate myself? What are going to, what's going to be affirming language? How can I get, and I was like, you know, you're, if you are asking these questions, <laughs> you're probably on a really good road to support your child because yeah. what is coming through is how much this mother is like, I get that this is going to be big. And I want to make sure because I'm paying attention to my child and I'm seeing how this child is showing up. And I'm like, yeah, we got something going on. Let's start to think about what support looks like. And I was like, my little, my little rainbow heart was like, oh. My angel. That's some love right there. Yeah, I was really so I know sometimes we we can focus a little bit on um, you know, like we did have this experience over the past weekend with a, a, a and and it's interesting because all of what you and I are talking about, we we saw it within a second. And I was like, Alex, it's time to go. I don't want to engage with this scary person over here. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, we just had our, our own personal boundary of, yeah, we're not going to engage with this person, even though the, even though the kid had asked us to, the kid just wanted dad to see a queer couple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the scary part, especially with the scary part is that, is that people, people like him, they, they, they're too far gone. Like, I don't even know what the word is yeah, like, not that they're hopeless, but they, he has so much work to do on yeah. his, on him himself. It's like, you can only save yourself. You can only change yourself. And for us remembering, we can share ourselves and who we are and what we do and in, in our experiences. But ultimately all of this work comes down to the person has to choose to do it. So quick reminder for people, right? 
someone's discomfort with learning around what support looks like for an LGBTQ person, that discomfort is not the same (laughs) as a person of the LGBTQ community that is feeling oppression, like they're going to be harmed, um, that you might be harming these two things, not equal, Mm -hmm. not equal. So, oh, I'm going to take a breath for a second. Me too. Yeah. I'm just rolling that around in my head. You know what? It's in moving in a little bit of a different direction. Sounds good. Um, are you, I'm, I'm always so happy when pride month is done. (laughs) We got, we got, yes. So I'm going to do like, well, Alex is looking at the thing that went share. I will tell you the reason I'm, I'm usually like really happy when pride month is done is because pride month is fucking exhausting. (laughs) It's right. Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody is like, let's celebrate pride. And I'm like, I celebrate pride every day. Do I have to go to a party and see people? Mm -hmm. Do I have to go? (laughs) I I don't want to, I can see you. I can see you. I don't know. Like, give me a, send me a text. (laughs) Wish me a happy pride. I'm not like a super social person, I guess anymore. Like I am within like our own little, you know, community and we did celebrate our community pride and it was amazing. And we had, um, I mean, you are very famous in the Denver drag community. Um, and we've celebrated, we celebrated all of black pride with them, all of these like huge performers because you're friends with them Yeah, came up and celebrated up in Erie with us. Like we did do our fair share of like celebration. Um, but I'm always happy when it's done because I'm like, okay, good. Now I don't have to be social till like Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Check, check, check. <laughs> um, and obviously, if you see me, you know that you're one of my people and, and I always want to see you. There's just only five of you. Okay. <laughs> so, here was the thing. I came across this and I really loved it, but how can I be an ally after Pride Month? Okay. And so I really love this. And the advice was keep educating yourself. So this to me is like, there's so many resources online, um, definitely educating yourself around um, what's happening with LGBTQ legislation and understanding, listening to people of non-binary and, and transgender identities and centering their experience. Um, that's a really great way to keep educating yourself. Uh, the second one was continue to support organizations and artists um, that are pride filled year wrong. So this would be youth scene, <laughs> youth scene, black pride, Colorado. Uh, and, and obviously Trevor project is another really great one, mm-hmm. um, to support the center Humans. on coal flax mm-hmm. human rights campaign, yeah. um, uh, envision you, mm-hmm. uh, one Colorado. These are all really great organizations to support. Um, what was this one here? Oh, volunteer and participate in events that are queer focused. Mm-hmm. Um, usually if you're supporting those organizations, they can point you to the <laughs> opportunities to volunteer and support. I think of always free mom hugs Oh yeah. or parasol patrol. These are really great organizations that are volunteer based organizations you can go support. And then these last two, I really loved, um, find ways to make the spaces you exist in affirming to everyone. And my pronouns are ask people how they want to be seen. So I always find um, this is a very, very common thing you and I do. We were out at a lovely, gorgeous dinner last night Mm -hmm. and I had to pee first because I have very small bladder and I come back to the table and you always ask me the same thing or I tell you, Yeah, I'll be like, Hey, guess what? You don't have to make a choice of what gender you are in any moment to go to the bathroom. They have gender neutral bathrooms. <laughs> and remember, folks, pronouns are not preferred. They're oh, just say it louder. 
They're just pronouns. Can you, okay. So I'm going to ask you to go into that for, with a little bit more detail because for a long time, people were saying my preferred pronouns are, Yeah, and this is one of those learning updates, learning updates. Boop, I wish I had like a little like news flash music. How, can I try to make it up? Yep. Go for it. News flash alert. We have updated some language. Why do we not say my preferred pronouns are? So I was trying to look up, but let me be like no, a, tell me a definition. Your, I'll just tell, tell you me from, from your guts. guts. Yeah. So I used this phrase at one point, especially in the beginning of my journey, mm-hmm. um, as we uncover who we are, you learn language. And then over time you learn that you learn better, you learn what fits, what doesn't fit. And so I used preferred pronouns for a while and then realized and learned that when you say preferred pronouns, it's basically saying, um, it, it like, I'm, I'm, it makes it like, it's not as real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes it the, especially for, you know, um, maybe for a cisgender person or, um, wow, I'm having a hard time speaking because it's just, it just isn't, it's, it's a way to make it an option. Yeah. It's a way to make it. And it's it's not not an option. It's just my pronouns are not, it's, it's not like you can call me this if you want to. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. My pronouns are this end of discussion. Yes. That's why we no longer, and I think for a while it was my preferred pronouns ours because it, it almost seemed like this polite thing. Yeah. That's why I was pausing because I was trying to get into like, it made, it made it more comfortable. Yeah. And now it's just like, no, the, it, you don't actually get to have a preference. And if you're going to decide to use the correct pronouns for me. So hi, my name is Kim. My pronouns are she, her. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had people tell me, um, uh, in fact, our friend Zara. Yeah. Who's like the most, one of the most famous drag queens in, um, Denver. Mm-hmm. And y'all will remember she was on our podcast with, mm-hmm. uh, felony yeah. misdemeanor. Also one of the biggest Denver, actually even beyond Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, very well known, very well known. They were because they're, um, lovely people in our lives. They were also all at our wedding. Mm. Yep. Um, and you for years performed with them, but you've just kind of, I know people are like, Is, are you ever going to come back and perform? And you're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going off. Sorry. Yeah. We can, t- we can talk about dragon. We can talk about dragon another time. But um, Zara to me is, is fascinating because her answer to that is you can actually use all pronouns for me as long as it's done respectfully. Yeah. And so I sometimes switch back and forth because, and I, I don't think, I think they were, um, Zara was on here. And so Terrell, when I'm with Terrell and I use they, mm-hmm. um, and when I'm around Zara and folks, this is the same person. It's just Zara is their drag persona. Yeah. I use she. Yeah. Um, and then with felony, felony is felony all the time and felony. Um, well, and I mean, in Zara, Zara all the time, it's just in drag versus out of drag. Yeah. But both of those two humans always tell me the same thing. You can use whichever pronouns. Like I actually respond to all as long as it's done respectfully. Yes. And also I'm going to go one layer deeper. Yeah, if, if they, if, if a drag performer is in drag, 
um, and specifically for for Zara and 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 Felony, like she, right? It's only she when she's in drag. Yes, right. Yeah. So so uh, Felony has a wonderful, you know, fun, um, accessible way of saying, you know, but if I have a wig on my head, mm-hmm. it's it's she or Queen. Yeah, I love <laughs> Felony. <laughs> but these, I guess, for for you and I, because these are people that are in our lives in the drag community, and then also in our lives just in out, yeah. outside of drag too. Yeah. So yeah, but it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I love that though. Like, you know, I because I, I think I would be like, I really don't care what pronouns people would use for me as long as it's done respectfully. Mm-hmm. But I understand that being respectful means I use the pronouns you tell me to use. Mm-hmm. So you always you're like my pronouns are they them. I would never demean in any way and be like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. And I'm going to tell you, my new thing <laughs> is that when I see somebody like just purposely, like still not getting it, I'm going to start using wrong pronouns for them. Uh-huh. And be like, oh, I'm sorry. Does that bother you? Uh-huh. These, these, <laughs> the, I'm going to, these, it's, it most ap- often happens with dudes. Really? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just change your name and start calling you she. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, uh, that's not me. All right. How's it feel, fucker? <laughs> How's it feel? You send the F word again. Sit on that. <laughs> I love you so much. I fucking you care anymore. <laughs> you crack me up. Oh, I know. Have you got- teach our children to be loud too. Hey, so what was the, um, what was the other thing about pride that, cause we're, we're also, we're both like so happy that pride's over, but what was your. Remember the oh, thing yeah, that you yeah, yeah. I loved this. So them is one of my, I follow them on Instagram. Um, they are just, they focus a lot on, on trans non-binary identities and they have a post. They had a post a couple days ago for LGBTQ in July. They calling it LGBTQ wrath month. I love like, this like so wrath, much. like anger, wrath, like yes. W W R A T H. Yeah, and I think this is great because you know how often will the people who are playing into being oppressors are like, look, it's the angry LGBTQ person. Like you're just angry. Yeah, I'm fucking angry. <laughs> F bomb. F F bomb. <laughs> you would be too if you were trying to be erased from society. <laughs> So for LGBTQ Wrath Month, Jesus fucking Christ, F bomb. <laughs> so for so for um for Wrath Month, they made a Spotify playlist of punk music. Love it. Um, basically, we we've, we've been listening to songs about the anger, frustration, and rebelliousness of queer of the queer experience. So we've made a playlist showcasing the best out of our what our anger can bring to music. These 14 queer artists on this playlist scream, sing, screech, and yelp about oppression, police brutality, climate change, and much more. Yeah. So. Yeah. I kind of love it. I love that July is LGBTQ wrath month. (laughs) It's like, it's not fucking over. (laughs) F-bomb. Pride isn't over yet. (laughs) Well, and let's keep in mind that pride is a resistance and started as a fucking riot. As a riot. And also, so one more thing. So it's spanning a, they write, spanning a breadth of genres and decades. These aggressive, noisy, and ear-shattering tracks serve as an antidote to the often saccharine gay anthems that are played all Pride Month long. Now, I'll be the first to say I love some of those. Oh, me too. We have a coming out. (laughs) I want the world to know. But mine this year 
what was Lizzo (gasps) and the song juice for me. That was like my pride song. Yep. That whole, all month. I was like, every time we got in the car, he's like, what do you want to listen to? I'm like, I need some Lizzo (laughs) and it needs to be juice. It. Yep. And I still think you and I keep talking about like, what do we think that song's really about? Well, she's talking about her goose with the gray goose. Which makes the juice. What she's drinking. Nope. See, I think it's about her. I, I know. I, I hear the listeners right now being like, Kim, you're such a moron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love Lizzo. I love her so much. Me too. That is a person that I listen to her music and I, I love her TikTok. I love her dancing. I love everything about mm-hmm. her. And I just, she makes me as a queer person feel so freaking joyful. Mm-hmm. I just want to like dance to her music and I want to like walk around me and I blame it on my juice, baby. I love it. It's you better so come fun. get your man. I think he got lost in my DMs. That, I love her. Yep. <laughs> so I love, yeah, that was my, but my aunt, like I get what they're saying, like after a month of like, yay, I'm here. I'm coming mm-hmm. here. It's like July. It's like, and I'm ready to fight. Yeah. 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 A little bit. What else did we have on our list that we wanted to talk about today? Well, I loved the thing that you shared with me um, about the water. Do you want to talk about that? I do want to talk about that. Okay. Um, So I I think we've we've talked about this on here a lot. I love... um, This is put in a lot of great perspective. Yeah, it really, it really is. Um, And so while I'm looking at... Because I want to make sure that I have... Um, name correctly. Yes. Um, Bozama St. John is, um, she was interviewed recently by Glennon Doyle and Abby Wombeck. And you know how I feel about Abby Wombeck. I love Abby Wombeck. You do? I do. I really like, well, honey, have you looked in a mirror recently? You look a little bit like, I like her for a lot of reasons. Oh, I know. I know. Sorry. I like Abby Wombeck for a lot of reasons though. I, I, um, I loved that she, I mean, she's so iconic when it comes to soccer, um, as a leader, her book, um, Wolfpack, this is a person who I I love that she's so transparent and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, she was an alcoholic and how she got clean. And I just, I really like her. Mm -hmm. So, and I like Glennon, Glennon Doyle too. I mean, she's obviously I've read untamed like twice and I, um, may have a lot of similarities of, of, of life with Glennon Doyle. Like our lives kind of have ended up in interesting ways where I'm like, wow, this feels really familiar. Um, I also love Liz Gilbert, who's Mm -hmm. another person who's messy as fuck. Yeah. But I, I, I guess I like messy people is the point. This person I don't think is that messy. Um, Boz St. John. Okay. If you're wondering, I recognize that name, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, American business person and marketing executive um, was the chief marketing um, officer at Netflix. And I had read, I mean, was making, I think it's like rumored to be like $4 million a year. I mean, she is... Like she was um, the chief brand officer at Uber. She was a marketing executive at Apple Music. Um, she she worked for Pepsi. Like this woman is a total fucking baddie. Mm-hmm. Um, ridiculously smart. Um, it really successful. And I just listened to this. She did a podcast with with Abby and, and Glennon and. I actually shared it with a couple people because it was so powerful listening to her talking about at her experiences as this powerhouse black woman 
who a lot of times, and she's like, yeah, in all of those jobs, I was the, the one only. and only. Yeah. And she was, you know, she's talking a lot about like, when do you know it's time to leave a job? It was a little bit because she left Netflix. And if you, if you remembering, if people want to go and Google this, I'm not going to go into the history of it here, but when she left Netflix, it was kind of like, oh, damn, because Netflix was doing really, really well. She was instrumental in marketing it and really looking at the content that Netflix was bringing in Netflix, in case you're living under a rock, like the streaming services like Netflix, mm-hmm. this gets into like my understanding my job a little bit, but like digital and and streaming platforms oh, versus yeah. like broadcast, like they were expecting that we're going to have that cross on the axis. It should be actually pretty soon where people actually consume more of their media through digital platform services than you do from broadcast. Okay, um, It's super fascinating. And that also gives you a good idea of like generations and how big different generations are, because like, I don't think we've had broadcast television in like a broadcast channel in like 10 years in our house, Mm. everything, you know, but because of the sheer size of the boomer generation, Mm -hmm. that's why it's, you know, you could say like, wouldn't this have happened a long time ago, but it gives you an idea of this, the the sheer volume of that generation. I'm off track anyway. So Boz has left there and the conversation, part of the conversation that she was having was when do you know it's time to leave an organization? And this is like, again, like Netflix, chief marketing officer, probably the most respected marketing person in the country. That's her. And she left. And so I'm sure there's lots of different reasons, you know, why that she didn't go on to on this podcast. But one of the things she said is, you know, essentially when she's like the one and only, it can feel like when, you know, because everybody's, you know, diversity hiring, diversity hiring, and you do that hiring and it's, a check the box situation. Yeah. So I'm hiring this person and yes, they check this box over here for diversity. And then what happens is this person like Boz, who's all of these amazing things and black mm-hmm. comes into the organization. And if you think of the organization as like, I have a glass of water sitting here. It's mm-hmm. like this glass of water, mm-hmm. it's clear water. And she's like a drop of blue food coloring. And so she drops herself into that glass and the glass and the water has to change color, right? Because we've added this, this, this beautiful person who is smart. You wouldn't expect to put that drop of blue water in the glass and for the water to stay the same color. Right. And that was the analogy she was giving is like, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not even like a small drop of blue water. I'm like a dollop of it. Yeah. But the expectation was that I was going to change to being clear water, not blue water. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking about that because I it just so deeply resonated with me mm-hmm. of a lot of the work that I do when people when I when I, I'll talk about, you know, if you're looking to make places more equitable, it's not hire. I mean, it is hiring. Obviously, you need all sorts of different lived experiences in powerful positions in your organization. But if you are still expecting people of those identities to show up and act within whiteness, you haven't actually changed anything. All you've done is tokenize that person and forced them to become the clear water. Yeah. And so she gave a couple of examples of like, do I have to put on? Cause it, you know, in some of these places, you know, they're famous where it's like all men on the boards and they um, put on matching outfits when they come out at these like huge all okay. organization meetings. And she's like, I'm not going to put on the khaki pants in the blue shirt. Right. I'm going to come out 
and she was like describing her hair, like her hair was, you know, big and beautiful and a bright fuchsia dress with Louboutins on with bows on the back, because that's me. Mm -hmm. I am not here to wear your khaki pants and blue shirt and be just like the rest of you. (laughs) And I just, I guess it resonated with me. Number one, because I I work in this field Mm -hmm. and I've seen this happen to my colleagues of color Mm -hmm. where And that's when I'm telling people, I'm like, if your organization is showing up as anti-Black and anti-queer, it's because you're expecting those of those identities to come in and just go with the flow. Yeah. And they're not going to. And if you're forcing them to, you're not doing equity work. Yep. So I feel that, you know, being a queer woman, that it's like constantly this weird thing where people look at me and they don't clock me as queer. Mm -hmm. Um. And then it can feel like I have to come out like 20 times a day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I, no, I don't have you know, the standardized question I get is people see that I wear a wedding ring. Like, yeah. oh, what's your husband do? Yeah. Like, oh, you'd love to meet them. I don't have a husband, you know? Yeah. So it's like, how many times a day do you have to come out? Or how many times do you have to sit and kind of try to fit yourself into some view of like the way that their life works? And that yours is considered weird or different. Yeah. It makes me think that a lot of these organizations might be asking themselves like, like they're hiring, mm-hmm. you know, diverse and then people leave yeah. and they're like, why are they leaving? And I'm like, because you're expecting them to stay in the clear water. And they're not, and you, and you shouldn't have to, Yeah, you shouldn't. And that expectation that is patriarchy that is cisgendered that is whiteness that is white dominant culture yeah and i know i know from the training that i've done if if you are of a white identity it can be very hard for you to see whiteness because that's just your normal right right we define everything else against whiteness Whiteness. Mm -hmm. so it can be really 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 hard to see that doesn't mean that you can keep ignoring it right Right. And so in heteronormativity is the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's the question of like, and lately you and I have said this, we're, we're a little bit more cautious than we used to be walking around, holding hands, um, kissing in public, because the world does feel a little bit, it feels different. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we have our protective guards on. If you are able to walk down the street and never think twice about holding hands with your partner, mm-hmm. you are living in heteronormativity. You are living with an invisible knapsack of privilege that you can't see because you just don't have to think about these things. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, the, the further we go into this, the, um, without it sounding like, you know, I, I don't, I think hearing that analogy was really um, powerful to hear because it was a reminder um, of just, you know, it's kind of cliche, but it's just, just be yourself. Like don't go into um, a group trying to change yourself, like stay, stay yourself, go into the group and bring all of you to the group. But I think the challenge though, is that if you are doing that, if well, you, right. yeah, I'm sorry, keep going. Then. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, well, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say the challenge of that is what happens to black women at work. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you're trying to be yourself and then it's, you're not heard, you're not really heard. And you're just, you're, you're seen as being, uh, and then when you're just talking, people are like, why are you angry? And you're like, well, I'm, 
I, I thought I was yeah. just talking. What's that book? We should tell listeners to, uh, um, to read it. The um, about Lacey. Oh, you'll never believe what happened to Lacey. You'll never believe what happened to Lacey. Anyway, very eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I was listening to this and I listened to, you know, you and I, not only are we podcasters, we both consume a lot of mm-hmm. other people's podcasts because it's just a format, I guess I really like. Yeah. Um, but that one in particular, again, I'll say um, this person's name, it's, it's, it's Boz St. John. Um, and it, they were on um, Glenn and Doyle's, we can do hard things podcast. And it, it is worth every 60 minutes that you will listen to it. The, the, the one hour. Yeah. Um, Glenn really, and Abby were, uh, interview some amazing people. Well, the other person that they interviewed recently, well, I guess it wasn't recent. It was in May was Liz Gilbert. And yeah. most people know Elizabeth Gilbert from eat, pray, love mm-hmm. um, that we won't, we don't have time to talk about that one today. We'll get to know it. We'll get sure. to it. Another one, because I think we're, are we done? Are we at time? Yay, we are. Yeah. We are. So, but if you, if it, it listeners listen to, we can do hard things, Glenn and Doyle and Abby went back in their interview of Liz Gilbert, because it's a two-parter. It's, it's a two-parter and amazing. it is amazing. Yeah. We, I love, we love messy humans. We're messy humans. I do like messy humans, mm-hmm. perfectionism and saccharine and everything's fine. Just mm-hmm. keep swimming. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I love people that are full on get into the messiness of life. Yeah. I think for a long time, I wasn't that person too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting into your, into your own messy is, um, can feel scary, volatile, <laughs> scary. Yeah. <laughs> But it's so because you know freeing. everything will change. Oh yeah. 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 I I want to say now, like I um I've learned at work that it is actually okay for me to say I cannot do everything. Mm-hmm. I have to take a break. I need to pause because otherwise my messy is gonna bleed out all over someone. Yeah. Uh, I follow um that reminds me of um, so I also follow uh Dr. Nicole LaPera on Instagram that um and she's got a thing about urgency culture. Oh my God. I'm afraid to hear this. <laughs> I'm actually like bracing myself. <laughs> I, do you want me to read it? Yes. <laughs> Healing from urgency culture looks like no longer being on call for other people's cycles of crisis. <laughs> Not making plans so that you can sit with yourself doing absolutely nothing or something you love that's just for you. Okay. Okay. Learning when your amygdala, your uh, survival brain, is activated and not making any decisions until you're back into your rational, logical brain. I think I've learned how to do that one. Yeah. Okay. Unsubscribing from societal idea ideas of what age you should do things and following your own timeline that works for you. That's it. <laughs> I do that. I'm going to do that. I'm doing that. Um, not feeling pressure to immediately form an opinion or take a stance on something or demanding others to. Oh, yeah. Setting boundaries around time spent with people who activate fight or flight nervous system responses. We learned that one the other day with the, with data dad. Yeah, we yeah, right. We out. Yeah. I'm ha- not gonna stay here. Let's go. Having honest conversations with people who expect you to be available 24-7 and letting them know when you're, what your availability will be. Honoring and celebrating what I was able to do in a day rather than shaming myself for what I didn't do. Oh. And committing, last one, 
committing to hard work and dedication while also committing to play, rest, and joy? Well, I think it, I will say <laughs> I am I'm actively working on one of those. <laughs> Same. Uh, but I did say for this this past weekend, because it's Sunday, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so yesterday I was like, I need to play today. Mm-hmm. And we went kayaking. We did. And I suck at it. And you're really, well, because you were a freaking rower. So you were like, I'll get us across this lake in a minute, Kim. And then you, it was so cute because like you were in the back of the kayak and I was in the front. Yeah. And I should have known this because at, you kept talking to me about the kayak situation. You were like, so you got a tandem? And I was like, yes, I got us a, t- a tandem thing. And you were like, uh-huh. not separate ones. Like we're doing it together. We're going to have teamwork. Mm-hmm. And so then you're sitting in the back of the kayak and I'm sitting in the front and it was stunning like mm-hmm. it's so oh beautiful gosh. where we went yeah we went to lake dylan we went to lake dylan and as we're and i realized i'm like i think i know what i'm doing right because i'm fucking kim possible and i'm like i can do anything i set my mind to <laughs> apparently i can't row a kayak <laughs> with any type of accuracy or efficiency and so you did fine honey <laughs> You're like, you know, you could stop rowing for a while. (laughs) And that's when I was like, right, because it would actually be easier for Alex if I just stopped rowing. And then I had guilt for like, I would stop. And I'm like, you can't like, you can't let her just like row by herself. Like you got to row too. So then I was like trying to focus on your rhythm and not looking at the mountains at all. And oh, and that may have been when you're like, Kim, just stop rowing. You are making it harder. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, just enjoy the scenery. Let me, let me, bro. It was a, I, I had to say for anybody that is um, in a long-term relationship, like it was such a learning opportunity as a married couple of like who you think you are in the marriage <laughs> then versus who you actually are. And so yesterday I went into this, like I am Kim, cause I walk into everything like I'm Kim fucking possible. <laughs> Like there is nothing I can't do if given, <laughs> given enough resources and time and space to figure it out. Like I usually can figure shit out. Yeah. And so, but that confidence usually le- leads me to be in situations where I'm like, what do you got? I can figure it out. I can do this. I can manage. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm like, I need to stop. And then I'm like, oh my God, Alex is a freaking collegiate rower. <laughs> And I'm somehow like this way, Alex. Well, also let me, st- you're, you're being really hard on yourself. Cause you did a great job. You were, you were, you were pulling us. You just asked me to stop rowing. <laughs> Maybe once or twice, but I will say it was really funny. At one point you were like, I want to go over there. And so I put my, put my oar in the water to like, and I turned us right away and you're like, Oh, that, look at that trick. <laughs> <laughs> like giggling to myself, like, honey, that's not a trick. That's how you row. And I was like, oh, that was, you turned us so fast because I think I thought like back to my Girl Scout days when I would be like in a canoe mm-hmm. and they're like, you, you know, row on the one side to make the other side turn. And then you just put your oar in and all of a sudden we were like, that's a nice trick. It's awesome. Felt like such a moron. We work really well together, honey. It was super. It was super fun, and but that the the urgency culture of of I recognize. I'm like my stress levels, like you know, with work and kids and life. Like all of us go through these times, and, mm-hmm. and also it's a huge privilege that I was like Alex. Let's just go. Let's yeah. just go and get somewhere. Um, it's a huge privilege to be able to do that. But it was so healing mm-hmm. because I was like 
belly laughing like a child. Oh, we laughed a lot. We laughed this whole weekend. We were just cracking up at stuff. And I'm like, right. Because I had to change up my, my spaces around me and be like, you actually just need to go play. Yeah. And whatever that looked like. And it looked like I'm, it's me in a kayak and I'm going to row Alex wherever Alex wants to go and look at this. And then Alex is like, you need to stop rowing. (laughs) Lesson learned. Let me pull you and you, and, but I also didn't know, there was a lot. I didn't know that you taught me yesterday about like how deep your oars are supposed Mm -hmm. to go. Yeah. It was a very humbling experience, but I was really happy. I had it. Me too. Yeah. It was always, it was fun. Super fun. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we we have to wrap this one, huh? We're done. Let's wrap this one. We have just to give you a little heads up. So we have um, the episodes coming with some special guests. So stay tuned for those. Those will be coming the next, I don't know, month or so. Yeah, yeah. about the, over the next month. Yep. And don't forget, we are powered by Youth Scene. Go check them out on youthsen.org and celebrate, uh, support them in Black Pride Colorado. Um, if you want to contact us, you can email us at howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com. We love you. We get so many wonderful emails. We do. Thank you all for how much you reach out to us and support us. Yeah. It means a lot. You can find us now on, um, Oh, I have, I have an ask and I've learned this about what I'm trying to, I'm I'm learning some things about the back end of podcasting. So if you would please go to whatever platform you listen to us, either on Apple or Spotify or Amazon or whatever it is and give us a rating. Oh, yay. Let us know, leave us a comment. Um, you can leave it on, um, yeah. And give us a rating. That would be lovely. That would be lovely because then it increases our visibility in the ranks of podcasts and, uh, perhaps we'll be heard and help others as well. My last comment is I know it can be tough right now. It's a, it's a scary, scary world and just stay strong fuckers. We got to keep fighting. Stay strong fuckers. That's right. And if you are a fucker, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we ain't got no time for you. I got no time for you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's raining. We fight oh, for love. That means it's going to cool things down. Okay, good. All right. Stay cool. Stay cool. Balls of magic. We love you. Talk to you soon. <laughs>